Hi, and welcome to Really Is That The Way You See Me, the podcast that's dedicated to opening up the blind spots in your relationship and allowing you to see the world through a different lens. Today, we are going to be discussing relationships and having the same Enneagram trifecta type. And today I have with me Mia DiChiara. Mia just graduated high school and she's about to attend Cornell. And she was kind enough to be here with me today. And I'll give you a little background in a minute, but I just want to take a minute to welcome Mia. So thank you so much for being here, Mia. Thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Good. Well, we've been wanting to do this episode forever since we started working together. So Mia needed to do an internship. And she asked me if she could do it with me. And I said, sure. So here's a little background information. Mia showed up in my office um, at the age of 14 and she was struggling through, you know, how to deal with being a kid and how to deal with a a divorce in a family. And um, she blew me away because this kid was hungry for everything that she could learn how to really navigate through her parents' divorce, you know, and of course, loving both parents and it's rough. You feel torn and, you know, you feel like the world's kind of falling apart and everything you knew is different now. So one of the tools that I gave Mia, we started getting into the Enneagram. I started teaching her and um, very quickly, we realized that we were the same personality type. And not only were we the same personality type, but we were the same personality trifecta type, which I've spoken about in previous episodes. And not only that, we have the same instinctual survival strategy. So um, to not create confusion or to create some clarity, another way of saying it, our Enneagram trifecta types are seven, the enthusiast, Then we have two as the helper, and then we have eight as the challenger. And those three types together make a type called the freedom seeker. And we both lead with something called the sexual instinct, which is the one-on-one relational survival strategy. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about all of that now. First of all, the freedom seeker is at their best are loving, generous, attentive, fun-loving, spontaneous, innovative, protective, confident, direct, and have a magnanimous heart. At their worst, they are indirect, possessive, martyr-like, self-centered, impulsive, opinionated, distracted, unreliable, self-destructive, insensitive, overly aggressive, demanding, uncompromising, and tyrant-like. Don't get scared, people. I don't know about some of you, but I've always wanted to split myself into thousands of me so I could just delegate to the other part of me. And that was it. And it would be the same pace. And I so we'll we'll tell you about the pros and the cons of this one. First of all, I want to really welcome you and thank you so much for doing this. And I'm really excited and nervous to do this. And I want you to just tell the good, the bad, and the ugly. Of course. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Since I started my internship, Iris was talking about how 
um, she was working on this podcast and how it would actually be super interesting if we talked about our experience on it. And so this has been something we've been looking forward to for a while. Um, so yeah, I mean, in describing the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, I guess I can begin with just the story of how the internship began. It was so funny because Iris just called me and she was like, Oh, I think I might have a job for you. Like, are are you busy? Like, do you want like an internship? I don't really know. It was something, it was like an opportunity for me to, you know, take care of. And she said that she has a friend who has a salon and like maybe I could work there. And I was like, wait, I'm, this is actually perfect because I have been putting off figuring out my internship for school. Why don't I just work with you? And she was like, oh my God, yeah, forget the salon. Like we're doing this. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. So yeah, so that's kind of how it began. And then from the first day that I got here, it's just been this like extremely productive yet relaxed and comfortable environment where we've just been very successful in, you know, getting our stuff done. I mean, I was coming in here with, you know, the way that I am and the way that Iris also is, is we really like our things to be done a specific way. We like to be in charge and we, you know, we know what's best basically. So me coming into Iris's world and environment, I kind of had to take a step back and put those, you know, feelings aside and just be like, look, she's the boss. She knows what her whole like realm, you know, consists of. And I was ready to jump in and take whatever she would, you know, grant me along. Um, so yeah, coming into that, that was kind of like the first thing adjusting to all her little like quirks and, you know, I have quirks. um and yeah so just getting used to like her whole system that was kind of the first thing and that was smoother than one would expect to be quite honest and I think that's credit to our similarities is that I kind of was able to pick up on what she did and how she did it and it was just really funny because there were points where I would just we would finish each other's sentences and <laughs> there were also points where we thought we would finish each other's sentences and then we were like no that's not what I'm saying Mom. yeah <laughs> but then there were other points where we were saying the same exact thing and we were like you're saying what I'm saying and we we're like okay let's like reset we know what we're doing um so yeah it's just been like a really brilliant experience just doing everything with her we've figured out a really strong flow of how we operate and like what um, she can delegate to me and what she wants to take care of herself, obviously. Um, And I guess where we kind of ran into trouble was when we both were trying to figure out um, issues, whether it was with like technology or just in general, like difference of opinion in like how things should be written or whatever it was. Um, there were just points where we would hit like, um, patches of where we're like, okay, I think we're both processing in a different way, but we're both have like the driver behind that is like, oh, we both want to reach the same end goal and we both do it in similar ways, Mm -hmm. but the way in which we were thinking it should be done was different. So like our difference of opinion was then combined with our same way of completing things, if that makes sense. That's kind of where we ran into trouble. And the thing about it 
you know, luckily was that it was very short lived because we both just like, we love each other so much. So we're both, we both also are very like attuned to one another. So when we would run into those issues, we'd be like, okay, we're both frustrated. This is annoying. Let's just take a step back and we'll figure it out. And then we did, and it was fine. So, I mean, those, I guess would be the good, the bad, the ugly. (laughs) Yeah. So um, Mia, I love what you said. So yes, we do. And I have obviously 30 years on Mia. So for me, it's like looking into a mirror of the past on a certain level. I mean, she's her own person for sure. But (laughs) so the type seven, the enthusiast, they're like a lot of fun. They're upbeat. They have these really agile minds. Sometimes the monkey mind where all the branches come in and different vines and you're swinging from one thing to the next. But we're also sometimes too fast for our own goods. And then we, uh, (laughs) and then we miss things that are crucial. So by having 30 years on her of trial and error, when I was Mia's age, probably up to 10 years ago, I thought I knew better than anybody about anything. And I know the shortcut and I'm going to find the shortcut. And, uh, and like, why do the extra thing when you could just get there easier and, and then doing my own website and doing my own business and all the nuances with technology, I realized mm-mm, no shortcut. Like if there's a shortcut, I'm going to find it, but <laughs> there really isn't like, you really have to understand what you're doing. So, you know, sometimes like we would bump up with that and say, can you write like just before I just said, can you write this down? And I was saying like, I was downloading my brain to her because she's fantastic like that. And, uh, but she's always like, oh, I'm going to remember. Now, I understand I always had a great memory, but not with all these moving parts. So then she was like, oh, I was supposed to type something up. Uh, what was it again? And I happened to jot it down because I wasn't trusting that she was going to remember. So, you know, it, I mean, the beauty of it is that we get to like eat humble pie in a really loving and trusting environment so we could see our like our similarities and there's not really a judgment. It's just like tagging it. So our egos are pretty safe with each other, I would say. So what do you think? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think that like just there's no shame ever. I mean, we were kind of discussing this earlier just in conversation. I I never have any, like, I never feel any type of way when Iris, like, says something that could possibly be, like, putting me in a different direction or being like, okay, well, maybe think about this because you might not be completely right. And there's zero offense or shame or, like, there's nothing that comes with it. And I think it's vice versa. I think we're both just like, okay, cool, (laughs) move on. Yeah, but it's really what we're talking about is the the level of trust. Because if, like I I actually asked her earlier, I was like, like if your mother said this to you, your father or somebody else said it to you, do you think you would have responded the same way? And she said, no. So there's something about when you understand and you, you know, like, and I always say the Buddha quote, when all is understood, all is forgiven. So when you really understand where somebody's coming from and you understand, and I think what I was going to say is understand their triggers and their nervous system, because we are both 
like Mia said the word frustration and type sevens are frustration types. So in the Enneagram, which I'll go into on some other episode, like the different affects, which are rejection types, uh, frustration types and attachment types. And so the thing is with the type seven, when we're triggered, it's usually because we're like, (laughs) and then we, you know, and that's when it's really like important to drop in because then we could spin out of control with that. So after having this experience with, you know, the two of us and working with someone just like you, and I know you love me, but like, do you think like, oh yeah, I'd like to date somebody like that, or I'd like to work with somebody like that, or can you see any challenges with that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my immediate thought in answering that question is kind of like, I want to date someone but I would work with someone. And maybe that's just because I've been lucky to find you and everything's been so great us working together. Um, So maybe it's a bit biased. And if I run into someone who happens to be the same exact makeup of me and then we work together and it's bad, then I'll change my answer. (laughs) That was honest. (laughs) But no, I think working might be better because we can both understand the way we process and there we will likely get frustrated at the same things. And we, it's, I think it would be comforting for me just because in like a work setting in a school setting, like doing group projects, I always wanted to be, I was like, I don't care. I'll just do all the work because if I'm not with someone that I trust, there's no point. Like I'd rather just do it myself. Um, And with work, it would likely be the same thing. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to do the responsibilities I was given, but if I have to like share it with other people and they're not at my same level or above me, I'm not really going to be comfortable with it. (laughs) Just just being completely honest. And I think in a work setting, if I had someone who was like me and they were wired like that, I, I would trust them and I would be like, yeah, do your thing and we can work together and it would be great. Dating wise, I think that, for me to grow into like my best self, like my, you know, self-fulfillment, I think it would be really important for me to be grounded with other aspects of myself that I just don't have. Like, you know, I think it's really important that I have someone who specializes in areas that I'm weaker in, um, just because that's the way to grow. Um, And, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow, but you really don't know everything yourself. And like, it's just, I think it's best for me to be with someone who has the strengths that are my weakness, because if I'm with someone who's like me, we're going to be lined up in the same way with what we're good at and what we're not good at. And in the areas that we're not good at, I think that's where we would clash heads the most. You know, it's funny what you're saying has so much um, validity to it. And, you know, and of course you're saying it from the positive spin because the type seven is the positive outlook type. So they always want to see like a positive future, but you know, I, I've learned over the years to integrate the other parts and it's not only like when you're with somebody else, they offer you things that you wouldn't have if they were not there without that different perspective or that different lens. But it's also that, they challenge you because, <laughs> because 
they don't do it the same way. And it's, it's kind of, it's an opportunity to really learn that the lens that you see the world from is not the right lens. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not the right way to do it. You know, sometimes we get so stuck in our tunnel vision that we see it a particular way. And that's one of the things that I love about the Enneagram is that there's nine different types. There's uh, 27 different trifecta types. There's with the three instincts, there's 81 different combinations. So it's really like learning the nuances of another person. I mean, and if you think about it, like in the romantic phase of a relationship, it's the getting to know you. It's like, I want to, I'm so curious, like, what are you thinking? Like, how, why do you do that? And then, you know, at a certain other point, then people get very controlling. And why are you like that? Well, I was always that way. Mm -hmm. You know, you liked it six months ago. Right. You know, so I also think that um, you don't necessarily care about those things as much like you're very like forgiving in the beginning because you're just so like encapsulated in how much you like them and you know it's just like you don't as much as like maybe you miss them I also think that you see them but they don't really get to you because you're just like so like you know enamored yeah exactly yeah I mean and you know what um one of the words for the type seven I think is captivation like I put that on my Enneagram test that you all can take um, on my website at relations-coach.com. I'll put some links underneath uh, for you to take the free test and do a free 15-minute consultation and see what you get. So what would you say that you actually got from learning the Enneagram at such a young age and but you don't really know you're such a young age yet until you look back in hindsight. But um, so what, what, what value did you get? What would you like, what would you say like was the most valuable piece like in your life and your, with yourself, with your family, with your friends, with your relationships? Right. Um, so I think that the most valuable thing I've gotten from the Enneagram, as much as it's very, very important in understanding other people, it was like very key in me understanding myself because at the time where I came to see you, um, I was dealing with issues between in, in my relationships between my mom, my dad, um, mainly my father and understanding him and how it was impacting me. And I think what really helped me the most was grounding myself in the aspects of myself that I knew I could control because end of the day, you can't control other people. You can only control yourself. And so for me, kind of flipping it on its head and being like, okay, how can I manage this myself and like understand it and process it as my own? Because I can't change anything that's going on outside of myself. So that's, was, that's very powerful. That is, that is the number one when I do coaching with people. That is the number one thing. That's what we start, the foundation. Right. We're not changing anyone. There's no victims. There are no perpetrators. Mm -hmm. And then please continue. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it really just started with myself. And, you know, looking at myself and my strengths and my weaknesses was, you know, 
it was the most important thing. I mean, your weaknesses are a part of you as much as we all hate to admit it. We all have them. And I think that growing upon the parts of me that needed a little bit more resiliency or just a reality check in general, um, in just my wiring. And it just really helped me cope and heal with the circumstances I was given because I was able to understand it better. And I was mainly able to understand how it was impacting me. So, yeah, I mean, I think that would be the main thing for me with the Enneagram and the, you know, the beginning of my work, but the thing is about it, it's a continuous thing throughout your entire life. I'm still continuing to know and learn about the different things that trigger me, the different things that I need to work on when I get triggered. Um, and then also it's just really comforting to also know your own strengths. I mean, as much as working on your weaknesses are like, you know, part of the growing journey, I think it's really important that you recognize within yourself what you're good at and using that to your advantage and also using that to grow upon your weaknesses. I mean, like use what you have to your benefit, I say. Okay. So tell me, tell me more how you would use your strengths. Cause the, the, this is like one of those areas that are like a little tricky for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, when I'm working with clients, mm-hmm. so because you are a positive outlook type, there's going to be, and listen, everybody wants to see what's possible in the world, right? And that's one of the gifts of the type seven and each of the nine types come with their own gifts. So what is it that you're saying that you use your strengths to over, did you say overcome your weaknesses? And I, by the way, I never yeah. use, I never use the word weaknesses for one reason. Um, people see it as a weakness. It's not, it's your growing edge, it's your foibles, it's your triggers. Because when we have this connotation to weak and strong, winner or loser, no, mm-hmm. it's not, but okay. So I just wanted to say that, but so you got what the question is. Yeah. And, okay. and to your point, I mean, that's kind of like what I'm going to describe is like what I know about myself, like your strengths and your weaknesses are kind of intertwined. They're completely yes, they intertwined. Um, so I guess specific to me, I consider myself pretty outspoken, pretty, I, I definitely put a lot of value in communication and clarity. And so when things get lost in translation or I feel I'm not being understood or I feel like what I'm receiving or being, what's being communicated to me is like invalid and unfair, I really need to use and channel like my, you know, clean communication, as you like to say, and my ability to be um, social and also my strength of just um, being, I guess, empathetic and caring. Yes, that's very important right. because you can't see anybody else's point of view right. without having empathy and, and feeling the pain also. Right. And um when I was first describing that we have the same instinct, um, having like a sexual one-to-one relational instinct, I think that comes into play when I'm working on like this specific like weakness or growing edge. Um, yeah. If I feel I'm being, you know, misunderstood or I'm receiving something that I feel is undeserving, I kind of, I really like it hits deep for me because um, I care a lot about, my relationships and 
just specifically if it's with one person, I care like that much more, just like the intimate level. Um, so when I'm trying to work on channeling my strengths and working on um, responding better to that scenario, I think I really focus on um, just like, communicating better and putting myself in their shoes because that's what I really struggle with I have to like take a step back and pull myself out of it and look at it from their perspective so what Mia was saying about with the sexual one-on-one relational I don't think it's a matter of fair or not fair it's do you see me and do you care because even if someone's going to do something if you know that they're caring like with me you ne- that never comes up because you feel seen and known. And that is the thing that the is like the drug in a way for the sexual instinct. It's like to be, have perfect attunement. We were like this, oh no, now we're like this, red alert, red alert, you know? So, and so we're always like tracking, right? So you're always tracking, like, are we in perfect alignment? Are we not in perfect alignment? Would you say that that's accurate? For sure, yeah. And I mean, just specifically, I mean, literally today I got an argument with my brother and Iris was right there and she's like, you're, you're, you're freaking out. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really mad. That really ticked me off. That really triggered me um, because I felt misunderstood. I felt that his response was invalid and, you know, that I really needed to check myself and be like, okay, this is my best friend. I love my brother so deeply. I that's a whole other thing I can't even think about, you know, leaving him for school. I love him so much. Um, so that's one of my pair bonds are like, you know, a relationship that I really, really deeply value. So when I'm set off by something that goes on between us, it's really, it, it gets me for sure. Like it hits me probably stronger than most would most other relationships would because, you know, he's yes. my brother. Yes. And, yeah, that's that's so true. That is so true because where now Mia has a higher social than I do, and she's also you know of the age where and she's you know she's an athlete, so she's on teams and everything. So she is more of the pack mentality. But you know the thing is, where does the sacrifice really come up? It comes up for your besties and your your parents, right? Yeah. So like she's doing this with me because I'm one of our parents and I really deeply appreciate it. (laughs) So, um, okay. Well, let me see if there's anything else that I wanted to ask you. I think not, but I just, again, want to thank you for being here. If you want to know more about the Enneagram type seven, if you want to know, more about relations coaching, your individual personality blueprinting, I use other systems. Uh, please click on the link below. If you like this video, give us a thumbs up and subscribe to our channel and where you could listen to the podcast really is that the way you see me. Thanks for being here, Mia. Thank you.